Part six of Manchester Poetry, edited by James Wheeler. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. W. H. Ainsworth. Yolande. The Coffin. The Churchyard U. La Gitania. Dedicatory Stanzas. The Mandrake. The Crow. Yolande. A golden flower embroidering. A lay of love low murmuring secluded in the eastern tower sits fair yolande within her bower fair fair yolande suddenly a voice austere with sharp reproof breaks on her ear her mother tis who silently has stolen upon her privacy ah fair yolande mother why that angry look mother why that sharp rebuke is it that I while away my solitude with amorous lay? Or is it that my thread of gold idly I weave, that thus you scold, your own Yolande, your own Yolande? It is not that you while away your solitude with amorous lay. It is not that your thread of gold idly you weave, that thus I scold, my fair Yolande. Your want of caution tis I chide, the baron fancies that you hide beneath the cushion on your knee a letter from the count Mai. Ah, fair Yolande! Busy tongues have filled his brain with jealousy and frantic pain. Hither hastes he with his train, and if a letter there should be concealed neath your embroidery, say no more, but give it me, my own Yolande, my own Yolande. The Coffin in a churchyard upon the sward a coffin there was laid, and leaning stood beside the wood a sexton on his spade. A coffin old and black it was, and fashioned curiously, with quaint device of carved oak in hideous fantasy. For here was wrought the sculptured thought of a tormented face, with serpents lithe that round it writhe in folded strict embrace. Grim visages of grinning fiends were at each corner set, and emblematic scrolls, mortheads, and bones together met. Ah, well a day, that sexton grey unto himself did cry, beneath that lid much lieth hid, much awful mystery. It is an ancient coffin from the abbey that stood here, perchance it holds an abbot's bones, perchance those of a frere. In digging deep where monks do sleep beneath yon cloister shrined, that coffin old within the mould it was my chance to find, the costly carvings of the lid I scraped full carefully, in hope to get at name or date, yet nothing could I see. With pick and spade I've plied my trade for sixty years and more, yet never found beneath the ground shelled strangers that before. Full many coffins have I seen, have seen them deep or flat, fantastical in fashion, non fantastical as that. And saying so, with heavy blow, the lid he shattered wide, and pale with fright, a ghastly sight that sexton grey espied. A miserable sight it was, that loathsome corpse to see, the last, last dreary, darksome stage of fallen humanity. Though all was gone save reeky bone, a green and grisly heap, 
with scarce a trace of fleshly face, strange posture did it keep. The hands were clenched, the teeth were wrenched, as if the wretch had risen. E'en after death had ta'en his breath, to strive and burst his prison. The neck was bent, the nails were rent, no limb or joint was straight. Together glued with blood imbued, black and coagulate. And as the sexton stooped him down to lift the coffin plank, his fingers were defiled all o'er with slimy substance dank. Ah, well a day, that sexton grey unto himself did cry. Full well I see how fate's decree for doomed this wretch to die. A living man, a breathing man, within the coffin thrust. Alack, alack, the agony, ere he returned to dust. A vision drear did then appear unto that sexton's eyes. Like that poor white before him, straight he in a coffin lies. He lieth in a trance within that coffin, close and fast. Yet though he sleepeth now, he feels he shall awake at last. The coffin then by reverend men is borne with footstep slow, where tapers shine before the shrine, where breathes the requiem low. And for the dead the prayer is said, for the soul that is not flown. Then all is drowned in hollow sound, the earth is o'er him thrown. He draweth breath, he wakes from death to life more horrible, to agony, such agony, no living tongue may tell. Die, die, he must, that wretched one. He struggles, strives in vain. No more heaven's light, nor sunshine bright, shall he behold again. Grant mercy, Lord, the sexton roared, awakening suddenly. If this be dream, yet doth it seem most dreadful so to die. Oh, cast my body in the sea, or hurl it on the shore, but nail me not in coffin fast, no grave will I dig more. The Churchyard Yew A noxious tree is the churchyard yew, as if from the dead its sap it drew. Dark are its branches, and dismal to see, like plumes at death's latest solemnity. Spectral and jagged, and black as the wings, which some spirit of ill o'er a sepulchre flings. Oh, a terrible tree is the churchyard you, like it is nothing so grimly to view. Yet this baleful tree hath a core so sound, can naught so tough in the grove be found. From it were fashioned brave English bows, the boast of our isle and the dread of its foes. For our sturdy sires cut their stoutest staves from the branch that hung o'er their father's graves, and though it be dreary and dismal to view, staunch at the hearts is the churchyard you. La Gitania By the Guadalquivir, ere the sun be flown, by that glorious river sits a maid alone. Like the sunset splendour of that current bright, shone her dark eyes tender as its witching light like the ripple flowing tinged with purple sheen darkly richly glowing is her warm cheek seen 
tis that Gitania by the stream doth linger in the hope that Eve will her lover bring her. See the sun is sinking, all grows dim and dies. See the waves are drinking glories of the skies. Day's last lustre playeth on that current dark, yet no speck betrayeth his long looked for bark. Tis the hour of meeting, nay, the hour is past. Swift the time is fleeting, fleeteth hope as fast. Still the Gitania by the stream doth linger, in the hope that night will her lover bring her. Swift that stream flows on, swift the night is wearing, yet she is not gone, though with heart despairing. Dips an oar, plash, hark, gently on the river, tis her lover's bark on the Guadalquivir. Hark, a song she hears, every note she snatches, as the singer nears, her own name she catches. Now the Gitania stays not by the water, for the midnight hour hath her lover brought her. Dedicatory Stanzas to When last we parted, lady, t'was in tears. Thy cheek was dimmed with sorrow's trickling dew, and from my heart the grief of many years, hoarded till nigh forgotten, burst anew. Sad offerings to love and memory true, shall ever memory faint, or love be cold? I know that cheek may lose its breathing hue, and those dear eyes their living beams withhold. But love shall still endure, with faith unknown, untold. Accept the tribute that to thee I bring. It is the first and it will be the last. The leisure fruit of fancy's wandering. But fancy rules no more. Her sway is past, and into other paths my course is cast. Me now no more shall fiction's dreams beguile. Their hues like fading rainbows vanish fast. My feet shall tread in ways of drearier toil and fiction hide her wealth, and poesy her smile. Yet if to me a loftier lyre were given, and round my harp were twined a brighter wreath, if I could snatch immortal verse from heaven, and pour its melody to souls beneath, it may be that I would not cease to breathe thy name in accents love should make divine, and round thy beauteous brows a band enwreath, a garland bright whose flowers should brightly shine, more lovely and more bright when sunned by smiles of thine. The Mandrake The mandrake grows neath the gallows tree, and rank and green are its leaves to see, green and rank as the grass that waves o'er the unctuous earth of graves. And though all around it be bleak and bare, Freely the mandrake flourisheth there. Maranatha, anathema, Dread is the curse of mandragora, Euthanasi. At the foot of the gibbet the mandrake springs, Just where the creaking carcass swings. Some have thought it engendered From the fat that drops from the bones of the dead, some have thought it a human thing, 
but this is a vain imagining. Maranatha, anathema, dread is the curse of Mandragora, euthanasi. A charnel leaf doth the mandrake wear, a charnel fruit doth the mandrake bear, yet none like the mandrake hath such great power, such virtues reside not in herb or flower. Aconite, hemlock or moonshade, I ween, none hath a poison so subtle and keen. Maranatha, anathema, dread is the curse of mandragora, euthanasi. And whether the mandrake be create, flesh with the flower incorporate, I know not. Yet, if from the earth tis rent, shrieks and groans from the root are sent, shrieks and groans and a sweat like gore, oozes and drops from the clammy core. Maranatha, anathema, dread is the curse of mandragora, euthanasi. Whoso gathereth the mandrake shall surely die, blood for blood is his destiny. Some who have plucked it have died with groans, like to the mandrake's expiring moans. Some have died raving, and some beside with penitent prayers, but all have died. Jesu, save us by night and day from the terrible death of mandragora, euthanasi. The Crow The carrion crow is a sexton bold. He raketh the dead from out the mould. He delveth the ground like a miser old, stealthily hiding his store of gold. The carrion crow hath a coat of black, silky and sleek like a priest to his back. Like a lawyer he grubbeth, no matter what way. The fouler the offal, the richer his prey. Carrion crow hath a dainty maw, with savoury pickings he crammeth his craw. Kept meat from the gibbet, it pleaseth his whim, it never can hang too long for him. The carrion crow smelleth powder, tis said, like a soldier eschewth the taste of cold lead. No jester or mime hath more marvellous wit, for wherever he lighteth he maketh a hit. Caw, caw, the carrion crow. Dig, dig in the ground below. End of part six.